podcast listeners. If you hear my voice right now, I need you to do something for me. I want you to take out your phone or on your computer, go to Apple Podcasts, search for Ask Your Old Head Podcast. You'll see my, my logo, my little picture, my little image there. Find the show. Please rate and write a review. It's a small thing, but it helps others find this work and find what I'm doing here. And it really, really matters, uh, as small as that may seem. So if you could please do that uh, before we get into the show, I very much appreciate it. Thank you for listening. Let's get into it. Peace. Peace. I'm Justin. My brother Justin. What's going man, on? Man, just, you know, flowing into the day or the, or the weekend or the whatever, whatever it may be. Man, how that's you doing right. Whatever, whatever, whatever time it is, wherever we at. That's right. <laughs> if you want to sponsor, if you want to sponsor knowing what time it is, then get at us. <laughs> you can have a moment for a certain amount of money. You can sponsor us saying, you know, and the time has been brought to you by insert right. company. <laughs> <laughs> time itself brought to you by <laughs> blanket <and> blank. <laughs> keeping reality alive for you now <laughs> uh, what a way to be yeah indeed so um well let's just get into it so i mean a couple of things transpired since our last conversation i wanted to touch base on so where i wanted to start though um is is a mix of start the nba season and but but particularly and then maybe move to a little bit of the broader to start of the nba season i want to start with um you know ben simmons uh philadelphia's own maybe sometimes maybe. depending on how you <laughs> probably not right now i think most of philly ain't really <laughs> ain't here depending for the depending on how he's feeling um but it's a real interesting there's some interesting complexities to the circumstance, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's the general sport level, which we've already spoke to, sort of like, you know, you kind of went real weird in, in an actual NBA series that your team in all sense should have won, right? Like, you should have won and had a chance to be playing for the NBA title last year because you probably could have beaten the Nets, um, where I don't think Atlanta had to had any chance of beating the Nets. I think the the Sixers playing, you know, at full strength may have had a shot, especially with the injuries that happened with the Nets. Um, all right, but how did that go the other way around? The Bucks. No, it went the other way around. With yeah, the Bucks. The Bucks yeah, they, my fault. Could they play? Yeah, yeah, they could. Yeah. I think they. I think they could have had a good. Um, they matched up against the Bucks well, right? Yeah. Like they have yeah. a lot of defensive players. You theoretically, you know, Ben Simmons and, was a defensive player of the year type. So right, you know, no one stops Giannis, but. Could you have done a good job? Um, I'm sure. Yeah, possibly. And then, you know, so that's fast forward to, to the moment of the situation. It was, you know, first it, the the Sixers wanted to trade him. Everyone, you know, it's been the talk of the summer. He's in, says, I'm not coming to f- training camp. Um, once some checks started getting missed, he said, oh, whoa, 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 you know, <laughs> I want out, but maybe, <laughs> maybe not out not, all this money. <laughs> not, to, not to miss no meal. <laughs> I'm not trying to miss no checks. Um, he comes in, um, I guess a few days into him being back in, it clearly seems like he was, you know, maybe making some support insubordinate moves and gets you know suspended from a game. And generally it, it seems like it's a mess. But then there's a there's a turn, there's a twist, and and it, you know, basically the brother the brother says, Look, mom, I'm not mentally ready. To rejoin the team 
um, which, you know, elevated the the idea of, you know, kind of the crossover of, you know, um, mental health, uh, professional performance, you know, place and space, like where you're working and what you're doing and how do you even feel about yourself in the moment, you know, and especially in a, and, and I think a degree of cynicism of some fans are kind of like, I don't think he really, he just don't really, he still just, this is all just a ploy, right? Some people would say, where other people say, well, you know, we, we say that we're trying to take these sort of things more seriously, right? When folks are saying they're having performance issues. And, and I don't think that within the context of sports, for sure, that if, if you took a, a lens back to the past at different instances, although it may not have been acceptable or thought as reasonable in those different times to frame when a player, you know, of, of, of especially of Ben Simmons caliber, is not performing or is doing weird something strange that it that it could be it could actually be sourced in a in a act like a, a a real kind of personal malaise that that individual is mm-hmm. going through right as opposed to oh he's you know he's just doing that to get out like I, mean, I think the most recent example that would be a counter note would be Jimmy Butler when he wanted out of uh, <laughs> uh, what's this uh, Minnesota yeah and he just turned out to practice and like. I think he took the second squad. It just destroyed the first squad in practice. It was just kind of acting a fool. And it was like, all right, all right, this shit ain't going to (laughs) work. Right now, in that case, though, Jimmy didn't come out nowhere and say that he was having, you know, like a real, you know, kind of mental, emotional challenge being there. He just was, he was quite adamant. I want out. These dudes ain't with it. They ain't, I need to go. (laughs) And that was a coach he liked. He liked Tom Thibodeau. Like that was his, at least we got, we were led to believe that was his man's. Right. So as one, touch point that would be sort of like well what ben simmons seems to be articulating and doing is not that although he may want a similar thing um in terms of leaving um but yeah so i mean i think that's enough of me talking at yeah. this moment just to sort of set up you know what we're looking at so what what were some of your thoughts about what you've heard about yeah this situation? So, so i think that there's two points to this um and i think it's it's connected to something we talked about around kind of black men and mental health and the prevailing idea that black men who play professional sports and especially football and basketball come from such conditions that they learn this high degree of resilience right Mm -hmm. and with that high degree of resilience they can take on anything there's nothing they can't do right Mm -hmm. there's nothing they can't handle because they've seen the the rough and tumble streets of insert place, right? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that has been a narrative that has been in the league and that has been accepted in our communities for a very long time. But I do also think there was a set of things that players went through, and I don't mean this idea of Black men's resilience, it's maybe you played in, in college for four years, or maybe you weren't always good, right? Maybe you like Carl Malone, and I'm not talking about the rest of Carl Malone's behavior, but just like the fact that he wasn't always good, then he got good, and then, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he played basketball. So now we have a set of young people across, like young men, black men, um, playing in, you know, sports, and we're kind of basketball is the one we're focusing on, that, you know, come from different backgrounds, they've been like microwaved into basketball stardom 
they've been microwaved into success, right? Like Ben Simmons played basketball one season in college, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And next thing you know, he is the number one or whatever pick, right? He's been compared to LeBron and Magic Johnson his whole career. And like a lot of really good basketball players, he's also been, and I don't want, I'm not going to use the word coddled. He has been a highly attended to mm -hmm. his mm -hmm. entire career. And I don't think we always think about what do people need to be performing? What is the, where's the psychologist? Where's all the things? I think when you look at LeBron and you identify why he is able to perform at such a high level, at some point, LeBron started engaging in mindfulness. He started mm -hmm. like really deep dealing in meditation, right? Like there was a place he, he had done all the other stuff. He made it Ohio proud and all that kind of stuff. But when he really had to go to another level of how he performed, he had to actually get help, right? He had to like get a sports psychologist and some, and some support. So I think what you're seeing with Ben Simmons is, you know, he saw what Jimmy Butler did. You saw what James Harden did last year, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I want to do that. Well, you, this team might deal with you a little differently than they dealt with Jimmy Butler or James Harden, number one. And number two, you know, what is actually going on? And is there the, 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 the challenges around, you know, how he performed and then being in a really difficult city to be a sports player, you know, to just cannot cut any cards of Philadelphia? But then does he does he is he getting the help he needs? And is, you know, is his manager and him telling people that he won't play somewhere? Is that really the thing that he needed? Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think about him. And in some ways, I think about Kyrie. And I'm not trying to cast any aspersions or dispersions on Kyrie Irving for the decisions that he's making in regard to him not playing this season. I'm kind of framing it even what went on last year. Mm -hmm. He just needed mm -hmm. to take time. I mean, there's a place where I think some of these younger players are just having a set of challenges um, and I, I think really positively in some senses testing the narrative that black men, that young black men are always so resilient mm -hmm. and have it so figured out, right? Because they come from East St. Louis or Compton or, you, you know what I mean? Right, uh, right. My Liberty City in Miami or a South, you know, dirt roads in South Carolina. Like I said, insert anywhere. And this idea that they're they're mentally they're mentally where they need to be just because they actually are really good at putting a basketball in a basket, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that is one of the one of the real things for us to really look at is you know what is going on with the mental and emotional health. A lot of these young people, you look at Demar Derozan, who openly talked about some of his mental health challenges, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I just think there's something there's a there there. And I think we have to watch our old narratives around black men's resilience mm. and young black men's resilience, especially if they haven't been necessarily oriented to see what that success is going to look like and mean going forward and how they're going to deal with the pressures of everyone in the family wants money. You, you're in a different city every day. You never can get settled. Family, just all the kind of challenges. Um, so that's one. Then another part, just real quickly, want to touch on is this idea of players being able to force their way off of teams. And mm -hmm. I think what Ben Simmons has run into is the buzzsaw of no more. Mm -hmm. Like, 
you know, again, you've seen Jimmy Butler do it. You saw, um, you saw James Harden do it. If Jimmy, you know, Ben Simmons, I want to do that. And he ran into a Sixers team that said, you'll just sit. Mm-hmm. We will wait this. We will wait this one out. You are not James Harden. <laughs> we will wait this one out. Right. And so I think there's a there's a challenge there, which represents this broader idea of the control that players slash agents. And it's no accident that his his uh, manager is Rich Paul. Right. Mm-hmm. LeBron's, you know, he's in business with LeBron and just the whole thing. So I think there's no accident what's happening here. Um, and I think that, you know, the one, the most important thing, there is a mental health issue that we have to challenge our vision on what resilience looks like. And two, you know, hey, you're really good and people want you, but every day you do this, you actually are reducing your place in the market. And I don't want to be, I, I don't want to be too suspicious, but I do think there's something really interesting him being like, I don't want to play it. I don't want to play here. Hey, y'all, I'm not ready to play here. Now, the positive part of me says he was just being, he was ready to be honest, right? that he was ready to come to grips with like, hey, I'm not ready to play yet, y'all. Like I'm dealing with a set of issues. And I think most of the team, when you look at what they said, uh, many of them responded positively to that, you know, but he might should have just said there from the beginning and not try to force his way off, you know, so. That's yeah. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to jump in on the, um, on the, on the mental side of it, right? That we, I think, well, I do two touch points. One, we just spoke, I think, in the last recording that we made uh, about the show Billions and that, you know, the lead, one of the main characters in that is a performance coach for people in a high stress, high money making industry. Right. Right. That that whose whose job is to help those people deal with the stress of the decision making they have to make. And this person is is so important to their ability to, to function, you know, and I know it's, I understand it's a fictional show to anyone that's listening, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, but that's not real, but it's actually a real thing that like some, and, some and industries have performing coaches that's right. <laughs> to make sure you do the thing well. Right. Um, so, and, and, and I mean, uh, uh, although I think the, um, the aspect is much higher uh, or the, the, or the, it's it's much it's way 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 more normalized than when we were like you know kids like in the 80s you know it was the idea of like a player and a sport working with like a coach right was out there but it was still a bit of the like you know if you were if you were a good enough player and you were doing it wouldn't nobody look at it a little askew but it was still a bit of just you know negative judgment right right um to to up to now where if a if a, if a professional athlete does not have, I mean, even if they're not maybe getting into the deeper levels of, of the, the, you know, the, the mental health in terms of like, you know, somebody might, you know, deal with depression or anxiety or these other things, but, but generally just the idea of a performance, like it's kind of assumed, I think almost, or like, yo, why aren't you working with a performance coach if you're trying to figure out how to, you know, do this or that with your game, you know, in any sport, I think, I think it's a pretty right. normal, um, you know, reasonable expectation. And even in the conversations that have come up, like around what are the internal supports either at the Sixers or in his own network. Now, you know, all of that also always hinges on it's because there's support services out there. Um, and someone that's come out of years of work in, 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 in human working with people, you know, people don't always engage with the services or the opportunities or the resources that might be available to them. 
um, or they don't engage at the time that they may need to engage or the time that would have been most beneficial to engage given other factors that, you know, people engage in the time when they engage. So, you know, when, you know, I would, I would like to, one, I, I'm, I've done, I'm done doing my best. I don't really want to judge the man this, like negatively on the idea that he, if he, you know, has come to the understanding and is comfortable saying the public, like, yo, I, I actually am having sort of a crisis of should I be doing this or like how to show up like in this, mm-hmm. this thing I do. And that, you know, you've seen me do it really well, except for this one, you know, this, this certain aspects of the way I do it. And, and I don't really know what to do. Like, like, that's a real thing. Like, I think we have, we could probably run through our mind and think of someone in a, you know, again, a different professional field that we may know that one day suddenly was like, yo, you, you talked to, what's his name this week, man? Is he all right? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, I heard he turned out the meeting at so-and-so, right? Or, you know what I'm saying? Said some, like, kind of, you know, went over there off the wall, which would be considered maybe out of character um, or at least damaging, you know, act you know, within their professional space, which may have been a reaction to, you know, pent up kind of angst about what they're doing or where they're showing up. Now, you know, some of those sometimes where, you know, where you have an elected leader who absorbed years of, you know, virulent racism (laughs) and and, and one day just says, you know, just says the thing that, you know, maybe they shouldn't have said, you know what I'm saying? Or, um, or, in, you know, someone who's, you know, been operating in a, either the corporate space or some other, you know, large organizational space in their, you know, years of realizing sort of the stress of one working harder, not being compensated as well and not getting the return, you know, due to the, to the structural issues that, you know, become impediments, um, you know, they just wig out a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And go like, man, you know what I'm doing? I'm, 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 I'm out of here, you know, and they, they leave that space and and there's real mental and emotional, you know, scarring. And it, it's not unreasonable for players for, for a professional athlete at the, at, at the, at the apex of what they do of their sport. Um, you know, when you broaden it to, you know, diamond meal soccer, um, you know, situations over this, like I said, that was this, this year, um, you know, other players that, that but that's just a prominent player, uh, I would say that to speak to in the tennis world. Um, going like, yeah, there's like there's real stresses in this, and sometimes it, it's like, yo, I, I kind of I need a I need a break from the stress. Now, the way that that's gonna get, you know, in Simone Biles during the Olympics, um, mm-hmm. right? Like how I'm going to do this, there's probably no way that it's gonna look good, so to speak. But I have to do this, right? So if, if that's where the brother's at, if the brother Ben Simmons is like, like I really, you know, because it's real weird. Like if 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 we if if you my my good brother I'm majestic was was an NBA player and we you know the other last twenty years of our life played differently because you was a uh, you know you was out here did you know some type of, you know, maybe the star maybe just on the maybe you just a, a great quality rotation player but we'll we'll make you a star for this example and then. And then I watched a game where you had an easy bucket and a high and a and a and when you needed it for your team and you passed the ball. I would give you, you know, I, we go get something to eat after the game, and, you know, let you, you know, we have a beverage somewhere. I'm like, God, what happened? <laughs> like I, I was, I was, I was, you know, I was watching you, and you did something totally out of character. So I'm trying right. to understand like what happened. You know what I'm saying? I would just be concerned. I would want. 
I would, as as your friend, as your brother, want to give you the space to like look at that and feel comfortable to go, man. I, I just, I just didn't want to take the shot, and uh, and it was for you know these reasons. It could maybe you'll be able to surface it, maybe you won't. But it was definitely something that's like any basketball player you would think would it was it was just you wasn't nobody in front of you and you're six twelve like just jump up and put it in the <laughs> thing like why did you get the ball away and it, it it speaks to in your behavior what was going on in your mind right and I, I don't think it's unusual when someone is at a, a, a mental stress breaking point with what they're doing with their lives for them to do something that is just totally seems out of character and not the right decision with something that you know they know well enough to know what to do um, you know, we don't typically give that space, though, to professional athletes that, you know, we the, the traditional just go like he was scared, which he may have been. But just because you're scared doesn't mean that it wasn't, you know, like you could be scared. It wasn't and also, tough, right. 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 Exactly. <laughs> right. Like it also could be yeah, you were scared because you was, you were freaking out <laughs> like in, in, like inside your, you know, your frame of reference. So. And then tying that to, you know, which becomes the, the muddled challenge of like. Yeah, you you got to you got like four more years on the contract, my man. Like it it's not really reasonable for them people, them folks to feel like if in the lease, if you leaving, they ain't paying all that money, or you know, like why you know the 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 contract has to mean something. And I understand teams. I'm a high level advocate of. I know teams could trade you at any moment. Um, so you know, finding some other some other space in there, but it's sort of like. You know, I think, you know, when he started losing bread, he was like, all right, well, maybe uh, I go back, <laughs> you know, and then but become, but then, you know, it's, it's other things too, that like who a person is and how they behave is sort of in their peer group and how people feel about them. You know, all of that stuff, you know, kind of mushes together, you know, and you can have, as I see it, the situation where you know you you have some issues some sort of dynamic with how you see yourself then you're out here working with this space with these other people and then whatever those dynamics where it's like you know people don't know you very well they don't maybe they don't totally like you and then maybe there's you know it could be a negative feedback loop with that and then you're you're, you're kind of like i'm a little different in my in my in my affect and my style and i don't really you know connect with people and and you know all these things can be um, different layers of, of, of already existing condition around like, you know, or position already condition. Cause it's not necessarily like a, I don't know, you know, not, not trying to diagnose the brother, but say right, right. like, if you, if it wasn't fitting and if your sense of who you are and what you're doing aren't aligned, you know, then you start having stuff starts happening, you know, things start going on. And it's just, uh, you know, I, I guess the, the the biggest thing is, you know, I, in a way, way, I hope the brother really, hope the brother is not elevating the mental health issue as a ploy. <laughs> I guess would be the biggest thing that he really yeah. is recognizing. It's like, yo, I'm, I can't explain why I feel and do this. I'm doing the how I feel and the way I'm doing things. I don't understand it for myself. It's not something. There's nothing. You know, it it is a it is a mental challenge right um that you know may not you know may not require it's not not like it may not be psychiatric right that it requires medication you know something just requires you know some, some different type of therapy or some engagement or group work 
any number of things just to get your mind repositioned around this situation, which I think it's, it, I think it's realistic for anybody um, to have that. And uh, I think it's a grace that should be extended to professional basketball players too. Now the other side of, or the other aspect to con- other aspect to consider is, you know, how, if you need to work that out, you know what I mean? And there's a way that that this could have happened where it didn't have to be this contentious dynamic, which appears, um, you know what I mean? And, uh, and so that part, I'm sort of like, hmm, what a way to start the season. If you, you know, this, the view the six is you as teammates. And again, depending on how, what their interaction and their relationship has been over the last, I think it's four or five years he's been on the team, you know, some dudes might be like, yeah, man, he already talking about his mental health, man, whatever, man. That dude, right? Like, if some dudes... Right, man, like Joel and B. Clearly, <laughs> clearly Joel and B does not buy this. Like, yeah. I mean, and again, I want to be honorable and respectful and start from a place of grace. But I do think there's something to be said when you have professional assistance in navigating your career. You can be in the place where you're at. Like, for example, if you or I have a challenge at work, you can go and go through a process by saying you need some time off. And there's, there's stuff structured for you to get time off to respond to a variety of things going on in your family and yourself, mm-hmm. yourself or your family or whatever, right? They are represented by people who are paid very handsomely to assist you yeah. through your process. So when you say i just will never play for you again now that is a that is the the thing that says i'll never play for you again because i'm dealing with the mental health challenges of playing for you and being harmed that's one thing but rich paul and clutch sports are supposed to do a better job navigating that Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to have it to a point where you say you'll never play they find you you come and play because because at this point it's clear you don't want to lose the money. Yeah. Then you get kicked out of practice. Then you come back and say, and have the conversation. Now, again, all this can be part of his trajectory and his horizon with his mental and emotional health. You know what I mean? So I want to be there, but there's also, there's some accountability responsibility from the Sixers organization, as well as, clutch sports to help this young man through this yeah absolutely. if that is what if that is what has happened right and so that's where i don't want to absolve them because okay if you're holding the sixes hostage to leave clearly that wasn't going to work in the way that you may have originally thought about it even if it was for the same reason right even if it was like hey my mental and emotional health is not well here i can't perform here right cool but don't don't do that, then come to practice and don't show up in practice and then have to come to the team after you basically, again, because you're dealing with the, the primacy of an individual, but you're also engaging in a collective sport and you're engaging in a collective sport that you then want to go somewhere else and hope to flourish. Yeah. And and the and the behavior of, I mean, I, I respect the manhood and leadership of taking accountability and saying, hey, I'm not ready to play right now. But that's something you could have told your team members in August 
And yeah. this would all be blamed on the Sixers, right? So I, I do. I just think that there's, you know, again, I don't want to assume the negative. I, I don't want to assume the worst. But yeah. I do want to assume, I do say that there's been some fumbling of this on both sides. And there have been, again, there have been ball players. DeMar DeRozan has had challenges. Kevin Love has had challenges. So this in itself, frankly, is not new. Yeah, yeah. Right? It, yeah. It's just unfortunate the way that it's happening with him. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like a lot of things, it's 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 the factors that are also in play at at the moment. You know, what I'm saying sort of 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 a of a rival, so to speak, uh, of of it of display that you know you know when someone has a, you know really does have a, a mental moment of you know, a crisis of confidence, uh, um, if even if it's something of a more clinical uh, nature. You know, you can't really pick the timing <laughs> when that happens. It just happens. And then it's like, oh, okay, you know, the brother, you know, or the sister, the old that person, the individual, they're going through this thing and it it's arrived now. So it 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 would be great if you could have, you know, those moments, you know, on, on a schedule that fit like, oh well, you know, I I just uh I just, you know, finally built up a six month savings account and and my all right. my bills are paid. Like, you know, what I mean, everything's great. I was already in a, I was about to go on sabbatical. And so now I've had this, you know, mental moment. And it, it times it perfectly where it may not cause much harm to me or others that may be depending on me. And, and the reality of, of our world is when, when folks do have have a challenge or an issue, it happens when it happens. And then we at the world has to make space, you know, and you, you know, other things have to make space for whatever needs to happen for the person to be well um and also for those either per- persons or things or situations that were depending on on them being in in a, in a place to, to to exist or manage being well as well <laughs> right just mm-hmm. to, you know so yeah so i mean i mean i guess in, in, a, in a closing thought on on the brother ben like I, you know I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna put my thoughts around how you play basketball over here <laughs> and just say i hope the brother you know, gets gets healthy and gets what he needs. You know what I'm saying? Just as as a person, as a man, as a being human being, and um, you know, we'll be we'll still be here with the basketball questions. You know what I'm saying? At a future date. <laughs> you know I mean? just, yeah, I, I I just would say, you know, again, I think um, it there is something to be said for elevating this conversation of mental health and resilience, and let's not make an assumption just because people are successful because people are doing well. I mean, I think you see so much, so many examples in this day and time, but also in sports, let's not make an assumption about mm-hmm. the talent in it and its matching kind of emotional mental spaces that people are in to assume that they have to be okay because they're making a lot of money. It just mm-hmm. doesn't. Yeah, doesn't absolutely. Do so um, in a broader sense, and you know, I don't have a super whole lot, but, but it is the start of the NBA season and one of the, uh, decisions I made this year was actually to, to, I tend, you know, I like basketball and I do enjoy watching it. Just realities of how I engage with television and media and typically, honestly, how my schedule goes. I usually end up don't watch and don't end up watching very much basketball until the playoffs. You know, I'll admit that, or at least you know, deeper into the season. But I, I made the concerted effort that y'all even got the got the league pass so I could. Uh, make some more time because I really enjoy watching basketball <laughs> and I think the league itself and, and I'm not you know I'm not breaking news here I've I've, I've heard it said by many different um, outlets that that I do listen to that cover the sport 
this may be the confluence of sort of the most talent in the league. I think in our lifetime, just from the from the from the perspective of you know the super duper stars, you know, players, you know, playing down to you know, most teams have at least one dude. You're like, huh, that guy, that guy's pretty good. You know, right. whether it's going to work out or not, you know, or be, what it will mean may not be clear, but um, yeah, it's, um, it's a very interesting and, 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 you know, for the most part from what I've watched, um, you know, so I've been making the effort to like, you know, pop on a couple games and it's actually something that when I'm doing other stuff, I'm typing something or writing something, I can kind of, you know, I can watch a replay of a game over here and on the side and, and, and not be distracted. Um, so yeah, just, you got any just thoughts or, or feelings about the, just the start of the NBA season, anything that comes to Yeah. I mean, I, I think to your point, I think there's a lot of talent distributed in a way that has not been in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I guess this this might have been marketing or how they structured it, but you know, I do remember in the mid to late '80s, you had you know almost every team had one good person. Now, every team didn't have five good people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but every mm-hmm. team had like somebody that was good. Like it might have been the Atlanta Hawks. They had Dominique Wilkins and Doc Rivers. You might have watched the, the Sacramento Kings with Reggie Theus. You might have watched the Denver Nuggets. And it was Fat Lever and and Alex English, right? So mm-hmm. back then you had every team had somebody that didn't mean that they were going to be the Lakers or the Celtics or the Bulls or the Pistons. Right. They had those teams usually have four or five people, <laughs> right. which made them the reason that they would win. Right. I think now you do have a distribution. I also one of the things I was thinking about when you talk when you add on about this. Players are playing longer and better. Mm-hmm. So there was a time where some folks had a good run 12, 13 years, but by the end of their career, they just were not any good. Right. Like, but Carmelo Anthony and LeBron James are still playing in the 17, 18 years. Yeah. Right. Like you have a fair number of players who are still playing deep into their careers. Um, which I also think is something that adds on to the distribution of talent. And then again, also there's this space where, Talent now is not distributed by a summer league in New York, Chicago, Philadelphia, Washington, D.C., and Baltimore, right? Where at one point you could look at basketball and be like, okay, mm-hmm. so many of these players are from these places or have some sort of proximity to these places. So whether it's the emergence of L.A. as a basketball capital, the emergence of like down south, the Atlanta area. Um, to so many places where people play basketball well. I think that's probably the one benefit of the AAU stuff where like the basketball talent started to be distributed differently. Yeah. yeah. Because everyone had access to, you know, the kid was good. It was, it was a space for them to be good where at some point there was not a space to kids to be good if you weren't in certain places. Um, Absolutely. And, and then to say nothing of the global international scene of basketball, right? Mm-hmm. which just brings more people into the ability to play basketball well. Um, and so I think that there's, you know, there's, there's something there. I mean, what, what, what you get early is obviously, you know, you might start watching the soap operas and try to figure out the soap operas, right? So you try to figure out the, um, 
the Lakers, the Nets, to try to figure out these sagas of who's going to, you know, how are they going to end up? Mm-hmm. Um, the Lakers will definitely test the idea of, you know, kind of putting the original gangsters together. <laughs> putting Like that movie, <laughs> Original Gangs, like if you put Shaft and all, all them and Black Caesar and uh, <laughs> Jim right. Brown, yeah, put them all on a team. Like, can we get one more for the Gipper, so to speak? Right. Um, you know, and then the Nets also have the reality of, hey, you have one of the two or three best point guards in the league not playing for the foreseeable future. Yeah. You know, and what does that mean for the team, right? And the team was structured to be, um, the team was structured for all three of them, right? Yeah. The team was not structured for, for Jess Harden and Durant. It was structured for all three of them. So. You know, I think that's something. But to your point, I think games, even generally games that you would not have thought were interesting four to five years ago, are interesting now. You know, yeah. so I, I do agree that the, the league has done a good job. And I think within reason, it's also done a good job coming out of the pandemic um, with its brand intact um, and, and, and being something that people kind of want to watch as we go into this this fall yeah and the um i mean i think the thing that's interesting i mean like paying attention to the league like trying to pay attention a little more closely this early because typically i think most people that are more casual fans of, of nba basketball really come in after you know christmas is is the start of the nba season to most people right and, yeah. and i think there's something to be said that you know, getting 15 to 20 games in is you do get a better sense of who these teams really are. Cause if you, you know, you watch the first four games of the Lakers and then decide, Oh, this the Lakers, you know, the Lakers are going every other game from this is totally going to work to this is not going to work. <laughs> like every, right. every game is being, being, that's how it's being evaluated at least. Um, and I think that when you go, a little further along, but the other piece, and this is just as observational, like something you may not think about. So like, I'm going to be out the way in a week. And I was like, you know, I was trying to think about what's something that I haven't done, you know, back home that, I, you know, you know, like I've still never, like I've never been to a Giants game live. And I was like, maybe I should go to a Giants game. That might be fun. I was like, well, maybe I'll go to a Sixers game. Cause that probably be easier to do. Like I've been to some Blazers games and actually, I guess Recently, I've had the opportunity, you know, through my work to get access to some tickets, um, which is always great when you can get, you know, some, some of them free community tickets. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> way to go. Thank, thank you, NBA, for, for doing that. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, man, I can go check the Sixers. I go check the Sixers schedule. And I'm like, you know, the week I'll be there, they play the Knicks and they play the, uh, the Bucks. I'm like, man, I get to go maybe get to go see Giannis. You know what I'm saying? I might need to go check that out because if you've never been to a live NBA game, pretty it's it's a different thing than i mean if you like it on tv but if you got a good seat at least especially like you you get a a better sense of really what you know these are very big athletic human beings doing stuff like it's not as uh you know it could be a little bit more like wow like man way to go you guys you know what i'm saying for <laughs> working on all that, you know what I mean? And it's not, you know, you know, my thing is not just magical size. It's also like you you've spent time working on this because you know we can find a whole bunch of people that is big, but they ain't they're not good at playing those, at least not that sport, um, let alone right, the other right. sport. Like just because you're big don't mean you you good. Um and you know, so you know, as a um 
and as the league, at least I think about it in terms of, of you know black men and black community. I mean, it is the league, the most facially visible league. Uh, you know, kind of you know black men are present, and everyone you kind of can't hide <laughs> that, who they are. Like they're, they're right there. You see their faces, and they, and they do right. things. Um, so it, you know that that idea is sort of proxy for for what black men are doing in the world. Um, you know, it's interesting to just try to be. Um, in tune with it, supportive of it, but also to get a get a perspective, right? To get a sense of what's happening with with that sport. I mean, one other just observational cue: watching more games the last week. I like. I, I think it's great that people can shoot threes. It's sometimes I really don't want to see nobody shoot a three though. I'm like, it's like you know, it's like yo man, do some you know, we go go in there and get in the paint, man, get in, get in there and do some. Do some do something physically awing, but know? but it's but it's the thing of when people figured out that three is better than two, and it's almost like when the game became, it's it's like a billy ball, right? And mm-hmm. and, and and when the Oakland A's won, just because if you could, to some degree, you can't get around talent, but if you know shit, science beats talent when talent ain't there, mm-hmm. <laughs> when talent ain't working hard, right? <laughs> right. So. And so I think there's a thing where we created a space and then it has filtered down. So at the end of the day, when before it would have developed the skills to go into the to to the hoop, the skills of going to the lane, to take fouls, to do those kind of things. Where now it's just like, hey, if you can develop how to shoot enough, this is what this is going to look like. And I think in some ways, as much as I don't like it sometimes, it has democratized the game because mm-hmm. I'm of the estimation that people, as much as people like LeBron, the vast majority of people on the planet see themselves in Steph Curry more than they see themselves in LeBron. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, just keep shooting, right? I can shoot a three. I can I can learn to do this. I can't learn to do what LeBron does. I can't learn to pirouette like Kevin, Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, but I can try really hard to be Steph Curry. And I think it has been a reason why some people have gotten into watching it and why people across the planet have been like, hey, this is democratized because of the three. However, I would argue, to your point, I would say those of us who are fans of the game, it has become a bit repetitive, right? Um, Once the science has been figured out. Yeah, yeah. So that's my, that's my only critique point. It's like, hey man, you know, and and it's, it's my, I just feel that the 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 physicality, the, the use of your physical skills not being treated as as in fact skill as a skill is just a bit bothersome to me. And just and maybe that's my maybe it's a myriad issues. Maybe some of those are not those are maladaptive justice issues. You know what I'm saying? That you know, <laughs> I like you know I like to play with a shoulder in somebody's chest when I when I had the ability to do so <laughs> regularly. Um, maybe that's a bit of. Um, you know, uh, you know, still holding on to some of the things I jo- enjoyed of the time when I began watching basketball. Um, but it, it also, you know, maybe just you know, my own engagement with you know, enjoyment of martial arts, and 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 and, and that you know, there is a there is a skill to how you use your body. <laughs> like it's not just mm-hmm. like oh, you got big shoulders, so that it works. But it's like yeah, it's like you know, every team has some giant human that people have moved through through life to get them to the NBA. And we know that that giant human who's the same size as the other one that does all the cool stuff that we like, but he doesn't play like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because 
because of because of of something that the other one knows right and um you know but it's been um yeah it's been uh it's good times i think you know down the line i, I might have more you know more thoughtful reflections maybe we, we revisit the season as things develop i have uh i have gonna put on the record you know what i mean you know seeing the knicks not lose that has revived a little bit like oh man i used to root for that team man good for them out there you know not being terrible you know what i mean go, go, go ahead knicks. yeah like no the knicks tape the knicks tape is a show man it's yeah, uh it's, it's, it's in, in it. and i think you know people do downplay it but it brings something back to it brings something back to the league when a team from new york is good as yeah. much as you know people could be biased about it when especially a basketball team from New York, whether it's college or pros, in this case, approves is good. There's nothing quite like the Garden. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, the Garden in the form have always been those places, and I think that you know the Garden in the form being those places again is good for the brand of basketball. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, and a pivot. Speaking of New York, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, Jess. That was a good one. <laughs> Something else that occurred that we wanted to touch on, um, and, I, and I, you know, the, the, said the content gift that keeps on giving. Uh, uh, Kara's one, Big Daddy Kane did a versus, um, and I, I, I was able to go back and, and watch the whole thing. Um, let's talk about that. Um, yeah. Uh, so when I was, you know, I guess when it was happening, and I was watching other people's comments about it you know a lot of folks felt big daddy won um then some folks felt that once it was really all the way done that Kara was kind of more one just because he's got more songs quite frankly that we would maybe know in terms of his catalog um i don't know i i still don't totally understand how i know how to pick people if people won or didn't win in the versuses but um i would say it was definitely um entertaining in 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 the other aspect that i that service for me, which may not have been the goal, but may have been their goal, is we never we don't have, and maybe I or if we do have, I don't I have not read is much much about like what was the interconnected lives of those artists of the, of that time, right? Because you know, they in the show when when, when they kind of speak of like that they want only, you know, at least Karis one of them, he may have been being totally Karis one showman, you know, bullshitting, but I don't think he was. Like, this was the only person I would want to do this with, right? Like, that me and, me and Big Daddy Kane have this long-standing relationship that, to my knowledge, I wasn't really aware of as, like, a feature, you know what I'm saying, or as something that right. existed, you know what I'm saying? Like, when I think of Big Daddy Kane, when I think of Karis one I don't think of them as, like, partners or, like, cats that had, like, a great relationship with each other or whatever, um, so I'm, I, you know, it, it piqued my curiosity about sort of the relationships of, I mean, like if you watch Crush Groove and you, you got to think that everybody that was down with Def Jam must have been been cool with each other, right? Like, you know, right. Crush Groove is a movie for for you young folks that might be listening or or other countries or whatever. Yeah, yeah check it, yeah, check it out. Yeah. <laughs> check out Crush Groove. It's like a fictionalized story at the start of Def Jam Records. Um. So that was like just something I thought was kind of interesting and kind of cool to, you know, and knowing that just, you know, they're both touring performers. You know, they they do, you know, like the way that classic rock, so to speak, performers go around the country, they're doing the, you know, the same four albums from 74 to 77 or whatever. 
you know, these hip hop artists actually do a very similar thing. Um, you know, we're, you know, if you check your check your radar, usually one of them might be coming to your town or a town near you, you know. Right. So it was sort of that also aspect of like their their music isn't necessary, it's not dead, it's still alive. Um mm. so um I don't know. That's the place where I, I started with my own thought about 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 the event. What's something that came up for you? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think, and I think you know, you said versus if the content get to keeps on giving. I think they're going to post this. What they do next is going to be a really interesting place because, uh, in some senses, I think from the beginning of it to this one that just happened, mm-hmm. you could put a, you could kind of put a, a in chapter like chapter in. Right now, they got verses when Super Cat's performing. They got verses where they're going to do gaming shows. Right, so you know the brand is going to expand, and so I think it's going to be an interesting space to see does the brand expand to the point where you're like, that is not what I'm expecting anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, versus like I versus pardon the pun, they you know I'm getting quality content. That even though outside is open, millions or hundreds of thousands of people will still watch this on the internet, which is also something to think about. Like, unless you get the app, you're watching it on the internet. Yeah. Like, you're not, like, it's not like on HBO Max. It's not on Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not on the, it's not on the antenna somewhere. Yeah. It's not on your antenna. Right. Exactly. It's not on your antenna. Um, And so, yeah, I just think that that's an interesting part of it and what they do next and who they have performed next. The genre of music, the type, I think is going to be interesting because I think they, you know, they got a boost, of course, with Jada and D, with uh, D-Block, the locks and, and Dipset. Um, then I think they tried to carry the energy with Fat Joe and Ja Rule and that had its own challenges for a couple of different reasons. And mm-hmm. then this Karis, when the Big Daddy came, I think um, performed in a way that one would expect. Um, so that's one thing. I think both of their musics have aged well. Um, Big Daddy Kane appears to age better because he's a better showman. Yeah. Right? Like he is, he is still performing in a way that you do not think a 50 something year old man would necessarily be performing. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, Straight yeah, up. yeah, yeah. He definitely got yeah, that dude. like, uh, like a, a big of a different age, like the old, like blues singer, like, you know, traveling musician kind of like, yeah, I'm still out here, baby. We do three, yeah. we do 10 shows. <laughs> we do seven yeah, shows a month. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I'm I, 12, I am six. dancing. <laughs> like I am dancing, Jack. I am right. jumping up and down. I am saying all my lyrics, right? right. He is doing something that the vast majority of current artists who don't do fast songs can't do. Yeah, yeah. So there is there is also something there about showmanship that I think um, hip-hop as owing to a, some degree of authenticity, and I'm putting that in air quotes, has lost because now we are, we are privileging the fact that you're real and come to perform with your shirt off or some variation of something. Mm-hmm. over the fact that you have come to give me a show right right um and so yeah that authenticity you know how much you like this person has overtaken if is the person moving on stage are they you know 
just any of that kind of stuff. Um, my personal perspective on it was that Big Daddy Kane did win because his showmanship and performance, doing his old freestyles, doing new stuff, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was altogether a better show. The average hip hop fan didn't know some of Big Daddy Kane's B sides and other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when you start getting into the Wrath of Kane and all this other stuff. Yeah, you had to be a real hip hop fan to like know the Wrath of Kane word for word. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, um, that's where I think people were like Karis won. And it's like, I don't really think Karis won. I just think, and, and again, you know, his showmanship to bring those songs to life, I think, suffered a bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm judging them on, right? I'm not judging them on like the, the power of the song and all this kind of stuff. I'm judging like, okay, I like all these songs, but like you're going to do it and it, what's going to make me actually enjoy watching because I don't enjoy watching old school artists. I enjoy listening to old school songs, mm-hmm. but I'm real. I don't enjoy watching them except for game, mm-hmm. right? I, you know, besides that, it's like, man, that's what they got Spotify for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what they got videos for, Jack. Like, I don't have to, you know, I'm not going to be, listen, I will go see the Whispers. First of all, shout out to Snoop Dogg for having the Whispers perform Olivia at his birthday party last week. I just want to insert that for the fact that anybody that, you know, for true music lovers, Olivia, the classic song, that's, you know, you and I both share a, a deep love for for, mm. for that song. Straight up. He wants to buy a, a new, new something. Oh, Anyway, but anyway, so like you know what I mean? Use like, your body, use your yeah. brain. <laughs> yeah. No, Ooh. listen, he said at the grandmother's house, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Who am I to change the ways? Now Ooh. she's turned down. Ooh. Man, it was a cautionary tale, Jack. Um, but you know, yeah, so I'm not gonna go see Chub Rock Kwame, um <laughs> Big Daddy Kane, Karis One, and Special Ed perform. I'm not going. Yeah, I, will, yeah, I have man. I have I have uh, soundtracks for all of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I have you know uh, your bad chubs and all the chub rock songs. Treat <laughs> them right. I you know those are, those, those are classics. Right. You and I both know those got a lot of play on the radio. The nights on Saturday nights we listen to the radio at the house as as uh, teenagers. And right. young, you know what I mean? Uh, Das when they was having that party night down on Delaware Avenue. Um, you know so. <laughs> So yeah, so I mean, I think it was, I think it was really good. I think it was good for a, you know, it, it is good that they are able to expose people to music that wouldn't have a reason to be heard today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the other thing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And observationally, the one other challenge, like, and I think I talked to Horn about this after I was like, or I think he called me when I was watching it, and it. You know, it was like two and a half hours. That's a long ass show. Like, I, and, I, and I like a good show, but two and a half hours—that's that's a hell of a commitment, man. Like, you got to really yeah, give me, yeah. the, like, you know, it's like, damn, all right, man. I mean, <laughs> I start looking around, like, I mean, you know, my drink, you know, like, you know, my drink, I'm, you know, two and a half hours is like, whew, like, that's a commitment. 
but that's a lot of time, man. Like, I don't, I don't, you know, I, I imagine for folks that go to the, you know, with their, as they're putting these together, I mean, sure, there's a definitely a level of novelty to being there. And, and some people, I think, just have a, you know, and I, of like, I think it was actually, who was I talking to? We were talking, I think we were talking to one of my, one of my children and around uh you know going to a show and like you gotta wait and hoping that when's the artist gonna start and like are they gonna start on time or they just gonna start whenever and like you know and it, it there's nothing you know figuring out the timing if, if they say the show starts at you know doors open at nine right but that don't mean nothing that you know there may not be no performance till 11 depending on the structure right like where you go into like a uh like a ballroom type situation now and like a you know whatever your um what's it the met or the man theater or like you know yeah some of those places where they like look we you know shows over here 30 minutes in the, the performances start like because that's how this works but even in some of them settings you know there's some artists who are notorious and famous for their you know <laughs> show don't start till whenever they happen to show up and start when they show up right yeah i mean and like you know it it is a lot to ask and so there are some pieces of it where it's like, yeah, you can kind of be in all the way and you might kind of drift away from what's happening and then they bring you back. You know what I'm saying? You know, so you can, you know, or like, you know, at least for me watching it after the fact, it was like, let me pause this and go here and, you know, make my little snack and I'm going to come back or let me go, you know, you know, deal with the body, as they say, or <laughs> take a phone call and, you know, and then go back to, you know, enjoying the rest of the the, the show and the performance and seeing where they go. You know, I did like uh, structurally how they sort of were coming back and forth off the stage. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where they had the other ones where everybody was just sort of sitting there and you, you got, you know, you had the, uh, what's the name, Airport and Fire looking at, you know, looking at the Ozzy brothers singing and, and vice versa, like where it gets a little street. Like, you know, I mean, I, I would think as, as performers, if you're on a stage, you feel like you should be doing something, right? Like they would be a little bit strange feeling just sitting there which you know asks begs the question to me you know as they go forward with this again how do you bring some artists you know to this to the stage how would they you know would they fit within sort of the way the format goes um but it, you know it was still pretty you know it was cool to see you know you know brothers you know is alive and kicking and and you know in, in the light of just the you know you know, who whoever thought hip hop would take it this far, you know, type type energy. Like, um, you know, I, I don't think Big Daddy Kane we, we didn't really have uh I mean Karis one hasn't had neither one of us put out like a new new I don't know, maybe they have and I didn't hear it. New 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 record, but I don't necessarily need them to put out no new 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 record. Um right. but the idea that like you know they the people who were kids and were young when this was young like still get to go see him you know what i mean it's like you know and, you know and i do know people that you know our peers and contemporaries who they are all on board for all of the old school rapper shows they like yo i'm about to go see too short right now you know what i'm saying i got a, a dear friend um you know too short is in town they going <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I, and I think it's and I think it's good because America eats us young, right? America constantly just replays history, and I think also the fact that how America does then hip hop is such a young man's, a young person's, young person's sport, which then creates this idea of trying to remain forever young, right? 
like not letting your facial hair show or try, you know, you're 50 trying to look 30. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there are parts of it that don't allow people to mature. Um, and I think the the idea of the parts of it that don't allow people to mature, um, the fact of being able to really see old school people. I mean, for some people, Dipset and D-Block were old school, right? Right, right. So in this sense, this was like Methuselah. You know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? This was Old Testament. If that if that's old school, this was Old Testament. But I think right. that's good for people to get access to black music, to black, to hip hop, framing it in a way that you and I both are fans of music that came out before we were either before we were born or around the time we were born. Right. Mm-hmm. We are fans of that music. And then we then you go back to learn about music that came out in the 30s and the 20s and the 50s, right? I think that's good for hip hop for people to see it kind of sponsored or see it um, saluted by those by Swiss beats by Timberland. It gives it like, okay, you watch verses, right? So I do think that it's a good thing for our music to be able to have that um, re exposure to mm-hmm. new crowds that may not have been as into it, but then can appreciate it as something from the beginning years i mean looking at it now right you figure if you if you if you chronicle hip-hop is beginning in 79 and some of that stuff is in 89 then you're talking about music in the first 10 years of an art form mm-hmm. yeah which by any stretch of the imagination is the beginning of the canon yeah right we just happened to be born during the time of the beginning of the canon. So for us, you know, you always had this idea that old school was always four or five years before you, right? So people would be like, oh yeah, that's the that old school. That's that care. That's that uh, Kumo D and Busy B. That's 82. Right. And then, <laughs> and, and then at some point it was like 88 was old school. Right. You know what I mean? Now, if something came out of 95, 96 is old school. And that was 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Right. So, you know, I just think that it's good for the music and, and willfully it allows people to frame hip hop as beyond just a young person's sport and as part of a generational context of black music. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree. And and, and I think it's always dope if, if if that being on led some folks who weren't really familiar, like maybe they do heard that, you know, they heard they heard some of the the things that have trickled up from those artists, you know, but they ain't really never listened if they went back, you know, and got some some spins on the on the uh, on the um, on the various apps on which one can listen to music you don't personally own, but you got access to. And if some of them went and actually bought the bought some records, you know, from them individuals, right. that'd be you know that would always be a benefit. So, so you know, thank you, versus way to go. You know I mean, keep yes, sir. Let's know. see what y'all do next. And I don't know. What, I don't know. I'm gonna watch it in video games, but we'll see. <laughs> right. They gonna do video Nintendo. games. Well, they got a video. Yeah, it's like a versus gaming side of it because it's all on oh. the Triller app, right? So right, 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 right. You know, right. And e-gaming hmm. is so big. So that's cute. That's one mean. of the things I saw. I mean, does that mean I get to bust somebody up at Tecmo Super Bowl? Because I'm, I'm. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. If they're gonna go old school. They're gonna be playing <laughs> these like killer killer person games. Um, <laughs> like you know, I mean, I don't know what games they're going to be necessarily playing, um, but I do think you know. Again, the fact that they did a super cat, uh, a super cat concert the night before, right, mm-hmm. and just like super cat at the garden, just on the strength of trailer and verses, right. So 
I think it's clear that they're going to start branching out, um, but keeping the brand secure while being able to do, you know, also do something that's financially viable because, you know, they sold the company. So it makes sense. <laughs> so, yeah. welcome makes to America Capital. You sell your company. Uh, uh, but so, yeah. All right. All right. So, um, I mean, with that, I think, you know, we can, let's got something for the good of the order. You can say, no, sir. All right. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Good Brothers. Thank you to my good brother, Ron Majestic. Uh, we try to record as regularly as we can. You can support the podcast, number one, by listening and sharing. Uh, number two, by subscribing uh, and rating uh, on Apple Podcasts and also anywhere else that you happen to listen. But Apple Podcasts especially, that tends still to be the real important one. Um, other than that, you know, we are amongst the, the autumn weather, a um, little wet, a little chilly. So, you know, stay safe, stay warm. You can also... Stay warm by, uh, you know, you can still buy the old hoodie on the Etsy shop. You know, all proceeds go offsetting the cost to keep this production rolling. Uh, also, you can become a patron. Um, just search Justice YG on Patreon. You'll find the uh, page and um, find the level that works for you. Um, you know, yeah. So with that, you know, I'm not going to make it too heavy. I'm going to be out of here. So y'all be safe. Thank you for listening. Peace.